This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Hey, 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 oh, God, just such a fucking fire intro song. Welcome to the MMA Takes Podcast. I am your host, Brian, uh, Brian Petrie. Listen, good week for your boy. I rebounded. Listen, I want to apologize first and foremost. I always tweet out my picks, right? I, I gave the picks on, uh, we touched about it. Obviously, I told you, if you guys watch the pick them, listen to the pick them. I told you I was going heavy on Usman. I did. He's my guy. Um, but I realized I didn't tweet out the uh, slime ball. Um, uh, a guy who follows me, a friend of the program, buddy of Tim's, he, met, he asked me, what's your slime ball? I gave it to him, but Saturday was nuts. I was wall-to-wall busy on Saturday. I had a lot of fires to put out. I was super dead. I didn't get to my buddies until about 730 that's where I watched fights. We were going to do a B-dubs. I ended up doing it at my buddies. Good thing we did. It was a good card. I, I didn't really feel like being bothered by anybody at B-dubs. But, um, <clears throat> so I want to apologize for that. I, I, if you tell me um, and you're looking for a slime ball, I apologize if, if I didn't put, uh, put one out. But, um, yeah, we're good. My slime ball, for the record, was Usman, um, Simone, and Maverick. Maverick got canceled. So I obviously hit my slime ball. Go figure. The fucking week I don't tweet it out, I hit it. Uh, so now when I tell people like, yeah, I hit my slime ball last week. Oh, really, asshole? Where's the receipts? Huh? Show us, show us the receipts. I mean, I can show you the bet slip, but you know, like I don't have a previous tweet for that. But I do want to apologize. But we had a good week. It was, uh, it was a fun card. I mean, listen, the card was wasn't great on paper. I enjoyed a lot of the fights. Some fights I I'm gonna be critical of when we do the recap. Finally got the office complete. This is how vain I am. I was just explaining to my parents. Just got the face on my parents, right? When I was younger, when I was probably between 12 and 15, right? I thought I was a hot, hot shit, right? I had uh shaggier hair and I used to dye it blonde, right? This is, I mean, listen, this is late nineties, early two thousands, right? That was the cool shit to do is you get the fucking blonde tips, Right. Um, you know, a little bit of a ladies man, a little bit of a cool guy. And I apparently, uh, according to my parents, I used to look at myself all the time. I would, I would stare at myself in the mirror. They'd always catch me looking at myself in reflection. Um, I'm not disputing the fact that I'm vain. I'm definitely vain, but I'm explaining to them like, guys, that was eight years. I haven't lived with you guys in almost 10 years. That was forever ago. You know, I'm a change man. I'm asking my wife, like, hey, do I stare at myself in the mirror? Because I really generally don't. Like, now my appearance has has gone to shit because I'm a dad and I'm married. But I really don't think I just stare at myself. But um, I was going to film this. This is The office is finally set up, and I was going to film it for the first time. I'm going to start filming every podcast. And I'm wearing the same shirt I wore yesterday. I filmed the video yesterday, which... We'll be on the MMA Takes podcast. <clears throat> I'm wearing the same shirt I did yesterday. Wore it to work today underneath all my stuff. Haven't changed. Haven't showered. Hair's a mess. Could have threw a hat on and just said, fuck it. But my parents got in my head a little bit. So I, I, I <laughs> so the vainness of, of a 15-year-old boy is, is coming out right now. I didn't want to put myself on camera. So that's that, huh? That's my that's my soul to bear right there, boys. But we're gonna be on camera for the pick 'em later this week. We got fights this weekend. <clears throat> I'll be on camera for that. I actually do want to think I'm gonna put out another video, maybe just do it on Instagram or something like that. I I, I just, I'm just so blown away by Kamar Usman's performance and, and his win. 
his mental toughness and what he had to come through. We'll obviously go over it, but I feel like I need to put a video out for that because this is a guy, in my opinion, who's criminally overlooked. And, um, yeah, we'll get to that when we get to the meat of the card. But, listen, the fucking studio is finally complete, my office, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I was going to paint the walls black, actually. My wife is so fucking giddy about painting every room in the house. Our kitchen's been three different colors. Our living room, the the biggest room in the house, she's painted twice already since living here. We lived here for four or five years. Bathroom's been three different colors. She's painted the vanity in the bathroom multiple times. Um, so she loves to paint. I was thinking, but when I got my sound pads in, before putting them on the wall and really kind of configuring everything, I was like, let me, let me just paint it black, right? Let's just paint it dark. I think that would look cool. Never got around to it. Never did it. I need her help. She won't let me touch a paintbrush. I'm admittedly terrible at it. Um, so we never got around to it. So I just said, fuck it. We'll, we'll stick with the blue. And uh, we put everything in, put the sound pads up, which was incredible. I mean, they look awesome. I seriously doubt for the people listening to this, you're not going to hear much of a difference. I already hear it. I have an odd, like I've been such an audiophile fucking dork over the past two and a half years that I can tell the difference just in my headphones. Like, cause I'm, you, you monitor your sound. I can just tell the difference that ever so slightly and they're worth it. And they look fucking cool as shit. Um, I, I posted a picture on Twitter and Instagram. I tagged everything on Instagram of, of the companies I like, um, of what I use. I just touched the mic. So, uh, poor technique, but then I got this boom arm that I put in drilled in the desk. That's the video I filmed yesterday. It would be a Brian video if, if you didn't fuck up a little bit. So I'm trying to figure out where this goes. I'm measuring out, finally get the boom arm. You got to drill into the desk, handmade desk by your boy. I fucked up on this thing. Like it looks great in pictures. Like the color looks great. But when you get up close to it, there's a couple crooked edges, a couple mismeasurements. Your boy's never built a fucking table before. You know, I did it, right? And, uh, it, but there's some, there's some imperfections on this. I had no problem drilling my desk. Problem is, is underneath, there's some double side, like double uh, thick boards underneath to like support it for the, uh, for the legs and whatnot. I picked a spot where I thought I was good. It was not. It broke my drill bit. So in the middle of the video, I had to go to Home Depot and get another spade bit, paddle bit, whatever, move it over a little bit and drill it. Um, and then I had to get some wood filler to fill in this hole. It's still not quite uh, not quite where we want it. I kept that all in the video. I'm not editing any out. You, you're going to see me fuck up. But once you find the right place and you get through the fucking table, it's easy peasy. You just bolt it up and then, you know, it comes with a bunch of washers and, and nuts and stuff. You just, you're good to go. It looks awesome. It looks really fucking cool. Sold the other one. Got to mail that one out. The guy's pissed. I said, buddy, we got a snowstorm. Like, I work at UPS. I'm off work tomorrow. They literally canceled my job. I've been there for 14 years, and I've never once had to not come to work because of snow. We've always ran. They, there was, we were supposed to originally come in early to help. You know, I'm a driver. They wanted us to come in to help with, uh, uh, you know, getting the packages ready and out. Then it was, well, you're on call to we're not working. I told this guy, listen, I'm a ship UPS. It's free shipping. I'm buying, I'm paying for the shipping UPS stores closed. We're not shipping anything. I want to get it out to you. He bought it on Friday. Trust me. I want to get out to you. And he's just being a little impatient, which I understand. It's a little bit of karma for me being impatient, but I'm glad the boom arm went to uh, someone to use it. I think he's like a musician, so that's going to be pretty cool. Computer, old laptop, sold it to my boy Timbo. We talked a little bit about it on our, our DFS show on Friday. I don't know if we were recording on that part, but 
Um, yeah, the guy needed a laptop. I have an old laptop, not really old, but again, I'm a boozy bitch. I'm glad it stayed in the family. Glad I went to my guy Timbo. Uh, gave him a sweet price on it. Um, but yeah, he deserves it. I mean, I would have probably gave it to him from cheaper. Let's not tell him that. But uh, yeah, I'm glad it's going to him. So I got to ship that out to him as well. So everything's well right now. Studio is, I say, I call it my studio. I feel like an asshole when I tell people at work or or people who who know I I do a podcast, I refer to my studio. It's a spare bedroom in my house, but it's my fucking studio, boys. Okay. It's all me in here, but it's finally looking pretty perfect. I mean, literally, I don't need anything else, right? If you hear me talking about needing, oh, you know what? Hang on. I might need a new chair right? I might need a new chair. This chair right here, my grandfather's chair, he passed away. It's an amazing chair. Doesn't look great. And the, you know, he blew farts in this thing for many years. He sagged it out. Now I'm blowing farts in it and the butt's not great in this, right? It's a little uncomfy on long, uh, long sittings. So I might need to get a chair. So any chair wrecks, let me know. I'm looking them up right now. I just, that's the one thing of the podcasting game. I just, I just don't care about, right? Like I care more about the texts in the that and then a chair which you're going to see in the video and it's probably one of the more important parts because it involves comfort and your boy doesn't give a shit go figure but other than that everything's perfect we're rocking boys we are rocking all right recap ufc 258 your boy hit some bets i went big on newsman I had him singly uh, five units. I think was my biggest unit bet this year. Uh, obviously this year, but maybe it's tied forever. I don't know if I've ever been over five units. I put, took five units at Kamar Usman at minus 290 Fandle. A lot of people had a minus 265, 270. I got him at 290. He didn't really budge off Fandle when I placed my bet. Doesn't matter. Won it. Had him in a parlay with Simone and Maverick. Maverick pulled out, won the parlay. I hit a couple props. I went really prop heavy on this um on this card, I, I I want to tweet out again, fucking being super dad on Saturday. I didn't get a chance to tweet this out. Um, I was going to call it the yes, yes, no, or yes, 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 no parlay. It was for three fights, four fights to go to go the distance and then a fight not go to the distance. And uh, I would have hit on that if Usman didn't finish Burns. Almost hit that one. But uh, yeah, your boy had a nice, nice little week. Nice little uh, bounce back weekend from the... Um, from some of the beatings I've been taking. Uh, but um, again, I forgot to tweet it out. So, it, you know, people are listening to this. Well, you don't track your bets and uh, I need to see your slips. And I'm about, yeah, I get it. And listen, I'm not selling my picks. My picks will always be free. Tail if you want to. But, you know, your boy just got, you know, life happened on Saturday and I just didn't tweet it out. Okay. All <laughs> right. Once I sat down. At my buddies, I put my phone away. Like, I barely even got on Twitter for the fight. So, sue me, guys. I am human. Let's work from the top down. Kamar Usman's Gil Burns. I could go on for days about this fight. I can go on days for the people that are giving him, who, who are discrediting Kamar Usman as well. Yeah, he got clipped in the first round. He lost the first round. Devin is arguing that he got 10-8 in the first round, which I strongly disagree with. He also argued that... Colby Covington almost finished Kamar Usman, which again, I got to rewatch that fight, which I just w- watched not too long ago. I don't think Colby Covington almost finished Kamar Usman. He didn't even drop him. I don't know. What is he missing? Like maybe he got hit and buzzed, but that's not an almost finish. 
right? It was very competitive fight, but like almost finishes is is a stretch. Gilbert Burns clipped him with the right hand in the beginning of the fight, hit him in his equilibrium, but kind of put him down, but not really put him down. Definitely his hands touched the mat. So I guess that would be a knockdown on boxing rules. And then Gilbert just kind of swarmed on him and then, and then just blew his load a little bit, got a little too overexcited, which I saw coming. I also saw that Gilbert's cardio is pretty good when he's always marching forward. You cannot compare a Tyron Woodley fight to a Kamari Usman fight. Tyron Woodley is going to fight at your pace. Tyron Woodley is going to step back the whole time. You're going to be moving forward. You're going to dictate the pace. You're going to dictate your strikes. When you got a guy breathing down your fucking neck like Kamari Usman, you don't have time to do that. I knew, and I said it on the podcast, that was going to be the big difference here. Is I think Gil Burns, everyone said it. He's the toughest matchup for Kamar Usman because they train together. He's got knockout power, and he's fantastic on the ground. Right, Kamar Usman had no interest in going to the ground with Gilbert Burns. Um, so that tells you that Kamar knows how fucking dangerous Gilbert can be on the ground. Like They've rolled together. They, they've uh, obviously trained together for a long, long time. He knew that it went to the ground. It, it, was, it, was, it could have been a problem for him. So he wanted to keep the fight to the feet. He had a speed disadvantage in the beginning. Gil Burns came out like a fucking hair on fire, cracked him early, and he came back. And everyone, and Devin's big takeaway was, well, his, he, defensively, he's so bad. Okay, well, name a fighter who's defensively good. Israel Adesanya? Sure, Devin hates him. The only fight Izzy really got touched up in um, is the Kelvin fight. Other than that, he's been d- defensively sound, hates him. Who does, who's Devin's favorite fighter? Max Holloway, the guy who gets hit the most in the UFC historically. But he has amazing offense. He's an incredible fighter. I'm not knocking him. But if you're going to nitpick Kamara's performance, nitpick the fact that he out-jabbed, out-landed Gilbert Burns. No one gave Kamara Usman a shot at winning this fight on the feet. They thought Gilbert Burns had the better striking. I heard rumblings in the gym from rumors from all sorts of different things that Kamara actually got the better of Gilbert when it comes to boxing. Gilbert had that big right hand, which he, he landed Kamara with. But other than that, Kamara would always get the better of the boxing. Gilbert would get the better of the ground. I think he proved that. I think um, you go out there and you fucking start jabbing away. You're throwing your right hands. I love to switch to southpaw. He switched to southpaw, dropped him with his right jab. That straight left was like a piston when he was in the southpaw stance. Kamara Usman's not a wrestler anymore. He's not a grappler anymore. He's starting to switch his stances, and, he, and he's doing it really well. He threw a little bit more kicks. He took some kicks, but... That pressure is going to take away a lot of people's kicking game. Just him marching forward, switch the stances in your face. He doesn't have the cleanest style in the world. Yes, his defense couldn't. Every, everybody's defense could use some work. Technically, there's a lot to clean up with Kamar Usman. I'm not debating that. But right now at 170 pounds, no one fucking touches him. Not a person at 170 touches this guy. Because when he gets a guy like Wonderboy, oh, Wonderboy, best striker in the UFC, whatever. I'm going to take this fucking dude down. Wonderboy couldn't even beat Tyron Woodley. On the two or three times they fought. Couldn't beat him. Got dropped by him, right? Imagine what Kamara's going to do. Kamara's a mean motherfucker in there. This is a guy he just fought that he liked. His good friend. And after the second round, he was talking shit to Gilbert. A competitive drive in there, right? Wouldn't touch gloves. Was mean at the stare downs. Oh, you want to take this from me? I don't think so. The guy's mental is so strong. And he's a fucking savage in there. And it's a shame that... A lot of people don't like him. And it's the truth. He's not a needle mover. He's not going to fucking... Um, this was a fantastic fight. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of casuals and a lot of people who maybe are even above a casual aren't gravitating towards Usman for whatever reason. I love him. I loved him from day one from the Ultimate Fighter because of his mental, because of the way he carried himself. And just the skill that he had, the way he's built, he's huge for 170. 
His cardio for days. He showed he had a good chin. Took some big shots. You know what I mean? But the switching of the stances and those piston jabs, which really separated him for this fight. He threw some nice body shots as well. He broke down Gilbert Burns and gassed Gilbert Burns out. Um, the finishing sequence, he dropped Burns with a jab. And then he went on the ground, didn't want to go to the ground with him, but Kamara was so long that he was throwing the legs to the side and throwing big shots. Ended up TKing him on the ground. Yes, those punches hurt. Yes, they were they were big punches, but it, it had more to do with Gilbert just being completely gassed because he didn't get to set that pace. There's no one at 170 that's going to be able to outpace Kamar Usman. Kamar Usman fights at his own pace. He takes the center of the cage, and you, he, he might back up a little bit. He might circle the cage. Gilbert was coming at him in that first round because um, he clipped him early, but Kamaru's always going to get his pace going. That's what he's done with every single person, and uh, he's going to continue to do it. He is, without a doubt, the best 170-pound fighter in the world and he's approaching GOAT status. I'm not going to go crazy and say he's better than GSP. I know a lot of comparables are out there. He tied or broke GSP's consecutive win record. But a lot of those GSP win record that he was breaking was when GSP was champion. Um, I think there's still a lot. Everyone talks about him moving up. I think there's still some competition. He's got to rematch George, which he called out, which I didn't love the call out of George. But I get it. It's the money fight. Get on the ultimate fighters, which are rumoring now. Uh, rumoring now. It was going to be Covington and, and George on the Ultimate Fighter. Now Usman might fucking cuck Colby out of that situation. Um, I, I think I'm an Usman guy, but I think it'd be way more entertaining if it's Colby and George because that's real, real heat. I think Usman and George have some heat too. So either way, I, I guess I won't mind. But I think if I had to lean, I'd go Colby uh, um, because I think he is a probably a, a bigger star than Usman. A lot of these fucking bozos eat up his gimmick. So uh so, yeah, I think they'll lean that way. But he's got to rematch George. He's got to rematch Colby. There's probably going to be a Gilbert rematch. They asked GSP if he wanted to fight him. GSP says he's not interested in it. Um, Chamaya, whenever that pussy gets over COVID, he might be contender. you got to rematch Leon Edwards because they fought before a million years ago. They're completely different fighters now. Wonder Boy's there, a guy he's never fought. That's a fresh face. Um, and I'm probably forgetting like Jeff Neal's kind of right on the fridge there as well. I'm probably forgetting some up and coming seventies that, that could make a run as well. But I think if I was, uh, Kamar Usman, if this weight cut's not a big deal, you stay at 70, you clean up, then maybe go to 85. I don't want to see, I don't think Usman wants to fight Izzy. And if Izzy goes up to a five and stays cool, then Kamar can move up. But uh, why not? You have the physical advantages at 170 if you're not killing your body, which I don't think he is because his legs are fairly small and and he's never missed weight. Uh, stay at 70. There's there's a lot of potential for their 70. And go get GSP's record and, and cement yourself as the GOAT at uh, 170. That's what I would do. <laughs> That's what I would do. All right, co-main event. I have so much more to talk about Usman just because – I just thought it was a great performance. You know, he closed the show, and and, and maybe I'll I'll spin this over to a video, and uh, we'll move on. Alexa Grasso versus Macy Barber. Great co-main event. I am Macy Barber. Oh, by the way, Devin beat me in the Pickums. A little bit of an asterisk next to it, boys. A little bit of an asterisk, okay? Devin's very competitive. The Pickums mean everything to him. I get really... I mean, I'm competitive too, but if I win money on the night, I'm way better losing the Pickums. But... He, hear me out here. So we made some new rules this year, right? That you can't have the same mortal lock. You can't have the same has sent him home as, as the other guy, right? And you can't switch. So Devin is sent him home, got canceled. Miranda Maverick, right? So he had to find a new sent him home. He could have picked anybody that he picked for the sent him home, right? But instead, he switched his mortal lock 
to Ricky Simone and put the send him home on Rodolfo Rivera. Now, the significance of that is if there was no switching involved, your fight got canceled, so you should have to pick a new fighter, not a fighter you already picked and switched, right? He could have picked Kelvin Gaslam. He could have picked Chris Gutierrez. He could have picked Gilbert Burns. He could have picked Alessio Grasso. He could have picked uh, Julian Marquez. A lot of these, Pollyanna Viana, he could have picked as well as to send him home. Marquez and Viana would have won it for him, but he chose to do the little double switch. I wasn't fully paying attention because, like I said, I was super dead on Saturday, guys. And uh, and then when I when the fight started happening, I started keeping track, and I, I had to write these things down. I go, wait a second, huh? So Devin's claiming victory, which is fine, you know what I mean? But the reason it's significant is because if, if Vieira, who lost, right, if he would have kept him as his, his mortal lock, he was over a certain uh, number, anything over minus 300 on your mortal locks automatically deducts a point simply because that's your best bet, right? And you're giving out bad best bets. You should get punished for that. So he would have been docked at a point if that would have happened. But he decided to switch it up to Simone Morlock, send him home. You don't get discredited or you don't get a point taken away uh, if you're sending him home misses, no matter how high he is, because that's like that's a prop bet. You're, you're taking a chance. So he won by one point. You won by 10 to 9. But, uh, you know, hey, there's an asterisk, right? You be the judge. My listeners, everyone out there, you be the judge, okay? You be the judge in this guy. This guy, this guy here, he's getting away with it, huh? Macy Barber versus Alexa Grasso. I I had Macy Barber in this. I did not bet this fight. I texted people, a buddy of mine who I watched the fight with, when he saw that Macy was the underdog. He's huge on Macy Barber. He's like, oh, hammer it. I was like, I'm going to hammer it. This was on Friday. I go to Indiana. When I build my bets before I go, and I just, I for whatever reason, I wasn't feeling it. I picked Macy to win. I think I even said I liked it. She was my underdog lock. Um, But, oh, there's my baby crying in the background for here. She just got out of the bath. Uh, we'll try to talk over that. Um, but I thought she looked good. Listen, it, it's a shame that Grasso looked really, really good in this fight. And the big takeaway was Macy Barber. She's coming off a knee injury. She's coming off a loss. She's a fucking child. Dude. She's 22 years old, right? Her striking looked good. Her aggressiveness is there. Her cardio looked good. But Alexa Grasso is really clean boxing. I was a little worried about Grasso's size at 125. She still seems pretty small to me. Or Macy Barber's just that big. Um, but she handled herself well. Like Macy struggled to get her down until the third round. Grosso did slow down a little bit, um, just with the relentless pressure of Barber. Barber won that third round. Um, I don't love the corner vice that Barber had. Or I think her brother, and, and I'm not sure who the other guy was. The corner vice wasn't great, in my opinion. I, I, I think you got to, after that first round, you clearly lost. You were getting countered. You, you were failing on the takedowns. You landed some okay shots, but that first round, Alexa Grasso outclassed you on the feet for sure. Was a faster fighter, had better counters. When she led, which was very often, she was just waiting Macy to come in because she's so aggressive to land her shots. The second round, they should have said, fuck these takedowns. Make it ugly, right? Get in the clinch. So some of Macy's Barber's best success was in the clinch, coming off the clinch, throwing elbows, and then throwing hands after the clinch. Um, quit rushing the takedown, quit looking for the takedown, and just go straight from clinch, elbow, breakout, and do it that way. Keep repeating the process, wear down. Um, that would have been my advice. It wasn't the advice in the corner. She did that in the third round, and she was landing some really good shots in the third round as well. All in all, I think Macy looked good. Clearly lost the fight. I, I don't think anybody can argue Macy won the fight. I saw some people on Twitter going, well, I think Macy maybe could have won that win. No, she lost two rounds of one. It was 29-28, clear as day. Grasso, though, cute girl, proud Mexican heritage, 
speaks pretty well, uh, English pretty well, better than I do. Apparently I just fucked that up. And, uh, how, you know, Mexican fighters always have support. They have this huge country behind them. I like her at 125. That's a quick path to a title shot because there's not many girls at 125. Um, so Grasso looked look fantastic. Oh, I, I didn't do my star rating. My patented star rating, boys. I didn't do it. I didn't. Fuck. I usually do it on the fly. Okay. So Kamar Usman, boys. <laughs> I mean, boys. I have something queued up as well. Let me see. Okay. So Kamar Usman, without question, five stars. I'm a five-star man! He's a, he's a five-star man. Gilbert Burns gets two, right? I mean, good first round, nothing happened. Macy Barber gets three. Grasso gets four. I was actually impressed with Grasso, uh, Grasso a lot there. I felt like she was in a letdown spot. A lot of people had her pick. She was a very small favorite. She's going against the bell of the ball, Macy Barber. And... Um, this was, could have been a fall short moment for her, and, and Macy could have rebounded. She's still dangerous. She's still young. She's still talented. But, you know, with a lot of people on Grasso's shoulders and, and being the small favorite, she really showed up well here and, and obviously won two clean rounds. And in that third round, she dropped it just because mainly Macy was so relentless. But I really enjoyed that fight. It was a weak co main event on paper. That's really not, uh, this is, this could headline a fight night for sure. Um, but on a co-main event, I know a lot of fights fell out, whatever, but uh, it was a little weak. All right, Kevin Gaslam versus Ian Heiner. This is a fight that I actually hated a lot. Um, Devin and I both were on Kevin Gaslam in this. Um, at the weigh-ins, I, uh, I, um, I, was, uh, I was off Kevin Gaslam because it looked like his gut was huge. And then fight night, he looked fairly normal. I never realized how fucking small his lower legs are. Like he has, his waist is like a 26 waist. He has no butt, no legs. It's just all upper body. It's wild. But in Ian Heiner's fight, Ian fought like a guy who was fighting up in competition, right? He was, he was going for some stuff. He landed some nice knees and elbows and Kelvin had to wrestle. And this was a very play it safe kind of fight for Gaslam. That's why I bet for this fight to go to the decision. I don't think Kelvin was going to risk anything after losing three in a row. You got to be the guy like Ian Heiner's who again, good record. The UFC's promoting him because he's got that story, but I just don't think he's that great. Um, and he came out and he, and he looked like he wanted to win. He was really, really wanting to win. And, and there were some nice grappling exchanges. This fight I kind of tuned out on. I I, I kind of was like, eh. I watched it, but I wasn't really into it that much. It was it just fell a little flat to me for whatever reason. Probably because I already went in there no, did not liking the matchup. But I didn't love the fight. I'm going to give Kelvin three. I'm going to give Ian Heiner's one. I thought Heiner's could have probably done a little better since Kelvin didn't appear to be that sharp. He was in shape, though. He didn't gas. He wrestled for three rounds. Heiner's apparently is supposed to be a pretty decent grappler and kept engaging him in the grappling round, which is weird, you know, push off and, and, and strike. Cause Kelvin, didn't look like he wanted to strike. All right. Next up was Ricky Simone versus Brian Kellenher. I love this fight. Both on Simone here. Simone was a, was my, one of my legs in slime ball parlay. I think Ricky Simone looked really good. It's three to stars to two over Kellenher. Um, this is a fight that was supposed to be made like three or four times. Brian Kellenher kept calling for it. It was kind of scaring me. Cause it's like, why does Kellenher keep wanting this fight <clears throat> on paper? It's a bad matchup for him, right? It's a bad matchup because Simone is a good grappler. He's big for 35, even though this is at 45. And his striking is getting better. And 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 he just dominated Kellenher everywhere. Kellenher kept going for guillotines. Jumped, he didn't ever, I think he jumped the gilly once, but kept going for the guillotines and just it wasn't happening. Simone's like, nah, dude. Like, I know your game. You ain't getting me. And just dominated. Looked really positionally in control. Went for an arm triangle a couple times. 
Simone only got a three for me because I wanted to see a little bit more action on the feet. I, I, with that big cut that happened on Kellen Her, I feel like uh, he could have done a little more maybe. And, and I want to see a little bit of more of a mean streak in there because I think this dude's a problem. I think Simone's a problem at, at 135. I really do. Um, I like how he openly admits, like, listen, 45, I'm not going to be a champion in, but I'm going to be a champion at 35. And the guys he's already fought is is a tremendous resume already for Simone. The only really ugly blemish is that knockout through Ryan Faber. And that's just kind of a fluke thing, you know what I mean? But I'm I'm high on Simone. I gave him a three. I would have gave him a four, possibly a five if he would went out there and just became savage mode and, and finished killing her. The one memorable thing about this fight, and I love John Anik, and I, I never want to bust John Anik's balls, but... There was an exchange where they're on the ground and Simone was throwing some big elbows and hammer fists and then and then Kellner was getting up and then it was a weird transition and then when Kellner faced the camera, Simone kind of had like an arm triangle but not fully locked up yet and they were kind of sit upright and Kellner was bleeding and, and John Anik goes, hey, did he just squeeze a cut open? Maybe a pre-existing injury? And I'm like, what? Like squeeze a cut open? Like, he thought, like, Simone was squeezing this dude's head so hard that a pre-existing cut just popped, popped open. And Rogan and DC were like, no, dude, I think it might have happened in that scramble. I mean, they literally were on the mat, and Simone threw hammer fist and, and a couple elbows right before that. I just, I love you, Anik, but that was clearly a blunder. Haven't listened to his podcast yet. I wonder if he addresses or not. Usually he has a pretty good sense of humor about that stuff, but... That was uh, a <laughs> that was that was a bad one. All right, uh, Julian Marquez was Maki Batolo. I'm gonna give Marquez. Here's here's what it was. I thought Marquez looked okay. He was gonna get a um, he was gonna get a three, and he got he, he got the third one taken away from him. I just did it now. So the both guys got two. I thought Maki Batolo was in control of this fight. I thought he was winning the majority of the scrambles. Um, Julian Marquez, though, just is a big dude who just didn't get tired. Patolo got gas, got hit with some big shots, and and uh, and Marquez wrapped him up with that choke. Marquez is a pretty well-rounded fighter. He would have got a three stars on me. This is a competitive fight. Again, I didn't love this fight either. I thought it was some sloppy grappling between two guys that are primarily stand-up guys that decide to grapple. So it's good to get a little sloppy, in my opinion. Um, but it's a good win for Marquez. I think he's, I think Patolo might be done in the UFC at this point. Probably could wake his way back. Marquez, though, just beginning. The guys had riddled with injuries. Cuts a promo that was something about let's get on Twitter and see who's the loudest or something, which I didn't fully understand. I think Joe Rogan even kind of called him out on that. Like, who paid him to do that? And then he called, he's like, let me make a call out. And we're like, okay, great. And he calls out Miley Cyrus to be his Valentine, right? Kind of corny, in my opinion, at the at the time. I'm like, yeah, buddy. You know, you kind of blew that moment a little bit. Call out a fighter. Then she responds, oh, what? Shave MC in your chest, in your mind. Like that, or I'm all yours, or whatever. Miley Cyrus, who's a fucking A-list star, just freaking responded to your Valentine request, and you're a, a mid-carder. No one really knows you in the UFC yet, right? And then he follows it up with, you got to get a henna tattoo above your belly button that says Cuban Missile Crisis or something like that. Buddy, you blew it. You're making the man. Just shave it in your chest, you fucking idiot. God, he blew it. He should get zero stars after blowing it that bad. But it's 2-2 because I thought it was a competitive fight. Patolo just gassed at the end. What are you going to do? All right, Anthony Hernandez versus Rodolfo Viela. Hernandez almost gets four stars, or excuse me, five stars. I put him. He's not quite a five-star man. 
another five-star man. He's not there yet. He got four stars. Rodolfo Vera got one. What happened, right? Listen, I saw some cappers really celebrating the victory over picking Hernandez with like a quarter of a unit over Rodolfo Vera. I get that, right? I said some really bad things about Hernandez. I said Hernandez is going to die. I think he said he's not doesn't belong in the UFC. He shut me up, right? I still think... So Rivera had complete control in the first round, completely gassed. Like those muscles that you carry, or they don't mean anything. He was so tight and just strength everything against Hernandez, and Her- Hernandez just kind of, you know, rode the wave essentially in that first round. And then Vera is just gas, and Hernandez is putting it to him. I would have liked to see Hernandez maybe knock him out. He was going for the submission a lot, and I get it. You got the submission. No one saw that coming. It's an incredible finish. He does have quite a few submissions on his record. Hernandez looks like he does has a pretty good choke, uh, darts, guillotine, whatever. Um, obviously, no one predicted he was going to tap Rivera. I mean, that's just insane. But this might be one of those things where we look back on. This might be like a hindsight one where Rodolfo Rivera is minus 430. Giant favorite. Undefeated. Killer in there, right? This might be one of those things where we go back as Vieira's career goes forward and we go, remember when Rivera was a minus 430 at one point? Hernandez still isn't the greatest fight in the world. He got a four stars by his performance, right? That saved his UFC career. He's obviously good on the ground. He does have some sneaky chokes in there. His stand-up is still a little problematic. I even would say his durability in the stand-up is problematic, but he's slick on the ground. He's got some, some unique chokes, right? Now, I don't think his top-notch jiu-jitsu is what tapped out Vieira here. Yes, he hit him in a great uh, arm and guillotine, but Rivera tapped because he was obviously choked out and fucking just exhausted. Couldn't breathe from exhaustion. So Rivera's got to finish that up. But this almost feels like a precursor where in a couple years' time, we're going to be like, remember when Vera was a minus 430 and he's like 7-4 and four and just gases like Frank Mir, fat Frank Mir is laughing at Rodolfo Vera right now. When Frank Mir was at his fattest, when he came back from the motorcycle accident, and I want to say he fought Dan Christensen, but I, I, I also think he fought a jiu-jitsu guy and just got mauled. The, the fattest Frank Mir's ever been. His cardio, Frank Mir, even in shapes, cardio is not great. That Frank Mir is laughing at Vera. I've never seen a guy go from a 0 to 100 to just on E. Like, he had nothing left. It was wild. He just, I mean, I'm hoping that he had some pre-existing injury or something, but I, I honestly think he was just trying too hard in that first round, got overly excited, adrenaline dump, and then on top of that, he's got muscle on his fucking teeth, so that's not going to help anything either. Next up, Law, remember the name Muhammad versus Diego Lima. Um, Blaw got three, uh, Diego got two. This is a competitive fight, right? Uh, Lima chipped away at uh, at um, Bilal's legs. I had this prop as, uh, it was when I sent him home as well. I had a prop for Bilal to win by KOTKO at plus 500. Almost happened, right? Bilal was really pushing the pace in the boxing. Diego doesn't have the best chin in the world, and, and he just withstood it. You know, just withstood it. Got lost all three rounds, but he fucked up Bilal's leg. Bilal's tweeting out about the balloon-sized leg he's got, and uh, yeah, Diego really showed out and, and, and put on, I think, a respectable performance. Bilal Muhammad, <clears throat> he would have got probably four star out of me if he would have finished. If you want to be ranked 
and you want to fight the top guys, which I think Bilal Muhammad, he's 18-3. and I think he deserves that. But to really get put in that conversation, you got to finish Diego Lima. You have to, right? You had him hurt in the feet, and he kept looking for the takedown. Diego Lima, I think, gave up one takedown towards the end of the fight. Other than that, it was stuffing every takedown. His back was against the fence the entire cage. Bilal was pushing the pace um, and landing shots on him. And Diego took him well. He was wearing him as well, but he took him well. Like nothing really. He didn't get dropped. Maybe got wobbled a little bit. Um, but if you're Bilal Muhammad and you want to fight these ranked guys and you want to be ranked in the top 10, top 5, whatever, you're 18-3. and three, You're not getting any younger. This fight, I think, it, it could have been a trap fight as well because you were a giant favorite, right? And losing is, is always ugly. But I also think this was a fight where you got to finish. You have to. You just have to do it. And he didn't, and I think that's going to hurt him moving forward. I think he's going to get matched up again with maybe like a <clears throat> outside 170 or, um, yeah, I I really don't know what the future for Blaw is right now. I think he's a very talented fighter. I think he he deserves someone good, but you know you got to win these fights and you got to finish these fights. All right, Pauliana Viana versus Mallory Martin. Viana gets three, Martin gets one. Um, Mallory Martin is just you know too green. Viana's lights out on the ground. She wants to find the ground. Mally Martin, I know trains at AK, is a grappler herself. Probably, I got to imagine the training camp revolved this from not going to the ground. And her instincts took over, went to the ground, and, and Viana had her in like four different submissions before she even knew what the fuck was going on. Fantastic win. Viana started UFC career rough and then uh, and then has now won back-to-back, or is it three in a row? Back-to-back submissions regardless. I know that. And, uh, you know, she's, there's some light at the end of the tunnel for this girl. I think she needs to work on her stand-up a little more because I don't think when you get to the top of the top, you're not going to be able to submit everybody. Um, but she looked good. I thought she looked really good. I thought Mally Martin just looked that bad as well. But Viana Cash's underdog is a play I wish I would have made. I did not make that play. Plus 128 underdog. Um, nice little cash for you people out there who hit it. All right, Chris Gutierrez versus uh, Andre Yule. So um, Chris Gutierrez... Yeah, you know, I think he's a really good striker. And I think he, um, his kicks are fantastic. His his hands are good. His toughness is good. Takedown offense is good. Andre Yule, one of those guys that look really, you know, he's awkward. He keeps his hands low. He throws big strikes. But Gutierrez hit Yule with a lot of stuff. And there wasn't that. I know he took in a short notice. So I'm going to maybe give him a little bit of a break on that. But. It just wasn't that killer, like, I got to get this guy out of here. Yule was hurt by a head kick, by a knee, by a punch. Yule's leg was compromised bad. And uh, Gutierrez just really couldn't get him out of there. I would like to see a finish here. Gutierrez coming off a draw. Um, This is a guy who I think has the skills to be a finisher. His leg kicks are devastating. His head kicks, his kicks in general, his kick game's great. His hands are good, and he seems to be really tough. He's an experienced guy. He's 16-3. and three. Took this fight on really short notice against Andre Yule, who was just coming off a camp, so you knew Yule was in shape. Had a catch weight at 140, so he didn't have to make all that weight. Um, and this was a great pick. I actually picked Andre Yule as an underdog here. Devin had uh, Chris Gutierrez. Andre Yule gets a two um, just because I think he's a talented guy, and he didn't give up, right? And then I think Chris Gutierrez gets a three. Could have had a four if he would have finished because he could have put put his name out there at 135. No one's talking about this guy at 135. Andre Yule has fought a lot of people at 135. No one's talking about Gutierrez at 135. I think if you finish Andre Yule, make a statement. You go, I'm here. 
I'm at 135, fuckers. Let's go. Who's calling me up? All right, Gabe Green versus Phil Rowe. <clears throat> we, uh, Devin and I, both were on Phil Rowe. He's the underdog. We lost. Close fight, right? It was a close fight. I, uh, it, you know, it was a unanimous decision versus Gabe Green. Some people were a little upset. Some people scored it for 29-28 Rowe. I actually had a 29-28 Gabe Green. There are some really close rounds in there. However, Gabe Green's fight IQ is just trash. He had Phil's row leg destroyed, destroyed, and you could have probably had the fight stopped if you just kept going back to it, and he wouldn't. I don't know if he recognized it. I don't know if he was worried about getting countered, but you got to go after that leg. It was in bad shape. Phil Rowe, really good countering. Um, he's a good counterfighter. He's long. He's long in there. I would like to see him lead a little more. He landed some really good counters on Gabe Green, but Gabe Green just walked through him. Phil just doesn't have that power at 170. You know, he's a good-sized kid uh, Kid at 170. He's tall. He's lanky. Appears to be in shape, but you got those skinny legs. And Gabe Green, to me, he's not known for be like this fucking Edson Barboza kicker, but you kick enough times on that lead leg and that lower leg, those calf kicks, <clears throat> they fucking add up. They hurt. And, uh, you know, Phil Rowe was compromised. This should have been a finish from Gabe Green. He got... Uh, three stars. Phil Rowe got one for me. Um, Phil Rowe really disappointed me in this. I was expecting a little more. Um, he, he, he's a flashy striker, and, and it looked like he was a little out of shape. He gassed in this fight. And I know Gabe Green is, um, you know, is a fucking stonehead, right? Couldn't hurt him. But that's where you got to be creative as an MMA fighter. I know Phil Rowe was 7-2. He's 7-3 now. Young guy in the sport coming in here, but he's incredibly athletic. He should have found a way um to to really maximize his performance considering come from the contender series getting a contract looking good in the contender series everyone having to wait three or four fights where you finally get a fight because you kept pulling out of injury and this was a lackluster performance i know a lot of people not a lot of people excuse me a small percentage of people did score the fight for him um and i know he looked disappointed when they when they called gabe green but uh, yeah, I just you know I, uh, I I don't see that. I actually had Phil Rowe by points, which was like plus three hundred. So I lost on some money as well. But uh, wasn't the best performance, right? And, and the fight was good, but the performance wasn't great. So that's UFC two fifty eight. It's in the can, and uh, we move on. So a little notes from two twenty eight. You guys need to quit picking on Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. I love Joe Rogan. I'm not a, I don't listen to his podcast every single time. I listen to when he has MMA guys on, but everyone's just so mean to Joe Rogan right now. Is it because of his political beliefs? Is it because like, what, what is it? Like, I've never seen this guy get attacked so much and now he's getting attacked or like, Oh, he's just not good at his job anymore. And I thought he actually showed a pretty, like everyone goes, Oh, it's the Joe Rogan. O counter. Oh, oh, I mean, he gets excited. You know what I mean? This is the number one podcaster in the world, and he's having fucking referee Mark Smith on. Hmm. To, to, to promote the sport of MMA. He's having Cody Garbrandt on. Like, this guy could have... He's had A-list celebrities, and he also has MMA guys on and uh, promoting the sport. So I don't think Joe Rogan and Myers can do anything wrong when it comes to the broadcasting. I don't think he's the best. I don't think he's ever been the best. If you go back and look at the or listen to the Goldberg days, Goldberg was so bad that it made Joe that much better. Now that we got Anakin there, who's amazing, DC's really good too. Joe doesn't shine as much, but Joe is still very good. And um, I think moving to Texas and getting out of the LA area, getting out of California in general, 
I think it's really going to help him with his mental because I think now he's really going to start deep diving into fights and like if I just I listened to the Brendan Shaw podcast and Shaw couldn't name fighters or fights that they had been in and Rogan's like boom 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 he's on it in years prior when you're in LA you're distracted you're doing this podcast you're doing stand up you're doing this pre COVID. There's not. There's only so much a brain you can handle, and uh, I think now that Joe's in, in Austin and he's got his own thing going on with the podcast, I believe he's opened his own comedy club in, in Austin as well. I also feel like he's deep in diving MMA. He's kind of finding that love again. So I think people are a little too hard on Joe Rogan. Listen, I don't think Dana White gives a fuck what anybody says, so he's not going anywhere. But I would be so upset if the MMA community, all these you know people who are rallying against Rogan. Um, somehow get him pushed out of the sport or whatever like that. I that that's just crazy to me because is he the best commentator? No. Is he is 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 uh does he overreact on things? Yes. I mean he said like fifteen times, oh he's not getting out of this. He got out of it, right? That's the that's the fucking that's the nature of the beast. I love it. All right, that's the show. I just want to uh recap a little bit. I want to get on here again. This was supposed to be on camera. <sighs> Felt a little insecure. Felt a little vain. <laughs> but um yeah we'll get we're, we're gonna get on camera later this week baby enjoy your tuesday whatever you're listening to this i'm off work it's a snow day 14 years i've been working at this company it took me 14 years to get a snow day i'm gonna enjoy it i'm going to fucking enjoy it that means i'm gonna be in bed at 9 30 sharp no i'm staying up late tonight baby i'm fucking let's go Let's go. Let's party. Hit me up on Twitter. If you're late night Twitter, let's go. Woo! Hey, pal, do me a favor. Get her down off there. What do you say? Woo! I say let her dance. Woo! Escort this gentleman to the door. Do you see that shit? Yeah. Who is that guy? He's good. He's real good. The name is Dollar.